Well, good morning, Grace and Truth Church. Praise God. Thank you. That was awesome. Praise and worship. Hallelujah. Randy, would you just stand up for a minute? I just, I just want to uh, acknowledge Randy. He is the first one here every week. Not every week, but almost. If anyone beats me here, it's going to be Randy, probably, and then maybe Joey, and then today Sam, but sometimes I'm, I'm having a bad hair day or something. I get here late, but, but Randy gets here. He keeps all the outdoor flags and everything with him. He sets them all up. He comes in, gets the signs, puts it out, generally brings the donuts. I mean... Randy and Norma, we just want to acknowledge you today and thank you and God bless you for everything you do. Praise God. Well, somebody sent me a... Oh, they're not here. Somebody sent me a a nice funny from the church, and I said, that's a really good one, but I already used it before. So, so I I have this instead. Yeah. So these are these are like seven things a mother would never say to her kids, right? And you can you you mothers can judge me on this. <laughs> they would never say, "How on earth can you see the TV sitting so far back?" <laughs> Or they would never say, yeah, I used to skip school too, a lot. <laughs> they would never say, hey, let me smell that shirt. Yeah, it's good for another week. <laughs> they would never say, go ahead and keep that stray dog, honey. I'll be glad to feed and walk him every day. <laughs> They'll never say, well, if Johnny's mama said it's okay, that's good enough for me. <laughs> Uh, they would never say, uh, the curfew, it's just a general time to shoot for. It's not like I'm running a prison around here. <laughs> and they would never say, I don't have a tissue with me. Just use your sleeve. <laughs> Am I right? All right. Okay. That's okay. So, <laughs> well, let me, let me give one for you guys, okay? So, young man sitting at the table for dinner. (laughs) He says, hey, dad, are bugs good to eat? His dad says, hey, son, let's not talk about such things at the dinner table. After dinner, dad inquired, now, son, what did you want to ask me? Oh, nothing, the boy said. There was a bug in your soup, but it's gone now. Praise God. Uh, laughter doth good like medicine. Amen. <laughs> oh, well, tomorrow is Memorial Day. And uh, I've noticed a lot of people get that confused with Veterans Day. I had a, I had a, a customer yesterday, and, and uh, he was a repeat customer. And so we just sitting out back enjoying our conversation and uh, wrote up a contract and uh, and I knew he used to be a race car driver, 
and then he was on AJ Foyt's team, and he had, he was a very interesting guy. But I didn't know yesterday until yesterday that he was a uh, a Navy um, Air Force pilot in in Vietnam. And I said, "Did you always land back on the deck?" He goes, "Usually." <laughs> so. Day is for the fallen soldiers, you know, and Veterans Day is for the ones that served. But, but my grandfather was uh, in Battle of the Bulls. I always like to talk about him, my great hero. But he did not, he did not, he made it home too. So that's Veterans Day. But uh, I still like to thank all those that served anyway, especially especially since we are blessed to have a, a church facility here with the veterans of foreign wars and. Uh, we thank God for this place that we can come to meet while we're waiting on God to provide us with our own Amen. amazing building. I could already see it. Balconies are full. There's buses in the parking lot. People are coming in from the east, the west, and north, and south to come and see this hot skillet burn. That's a prophecy that was spoken over a while back because it sounds weird without the explanation. But I'm glad all of you are here, and we do want to remember um, our fallen soldiers. I know there's, last I looked it up, it was like 1.1 million. It's, uh, it's over a million for sure. Um, you know, in the, the Civil War alone, uh, almost half of those, 400,000 plus, in World War Two, and about and about half a million in Civil War. Just, uh, but you know, all those wars—they all come from from evil of some kind, and uh, just like um, the one we had here in this country, which took half of the ones we've all, all already lost, but it was to right wrongs against God. You know what I mean? And anytime, uh, sometimes there are worse things than war. And all you have to do is think about the Civil War to realize what I'm talking about. Sometimes right wrongs have to be righted. And uh, I just thank God that we live in a place that saw fit to do that and, and made it through it, you know. If you close that all the way, nobody will be able to get in. You have to leave it cracked just a little tiny not open but you'll see what I'm talking about. there you go yeah <laughs> thank you but nevertheless we just want to take uh, a moment to remember those today and this week uh, just uh, think about them and be and give thanks to God for all those who have lost their lives defending our nation amen Second Corinthians uh, 1, verses 3 through 5 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For we, as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. You know, the great... Um, President Abraham Lincoln was quoted as saying this, From whence shall we expect, we being the United States, the approach of danger, 
Shall some transatlantic military giant step the earth and crush us at a blow? Never. All the armies of Europe and Asia could never, by force, take a drink from the Ohio River or make a track on the Blue Ridge in the trial of a thousand years. No, if destruction be our lot, we must ourselves be its author and finisher. As a nation of free men, we will live forever or die by suicide. And I believe that to be the truth. Um, we have at times been a divided nation. And some say that we are a divided nation now. Oh, but I see Jesus working in the midst. You know, there were 12 spies sent out to spy out the land of Canaan when Moses brought the children of God up out of bondage in Egypt. And 10 of the spies came back with a bad report and God was not pleased with them. But Joshua and Caleb had a great report. They said, yeah, there are giants in the land. They're big, but so are the grapes. <laughs> Took two men to carry a cluster on a pole. And they said, and God is working with us. Amen. It's nothing for God. That's the report we want to have. We want to see the good. We want to shine our light. Amen. Amen. We are a nation where God has been stiff-armed at almost every turn. And a lot of people say that God is judging America, or God is judging this or that, or putting affliction. That's not God. The war with God between God and man is over. Jesus paid that price. What people are witnessing is... God is a just God and has given us a free will. And when we exclude him or ask him or tell him not to be a part of our lives or our schools or our government or something like that, he will step back and honor our free will. And where, where God is absent, there is a void. And that void will be filled with darkness because God is light and there's only one other option. You see what I'm saying? So the enemy is the one to blame and our own choices. Huh? Um, God is love. And I see people inviting God back into their lives and into their situations, into their schools. And doing everything that they can to bring about this third great awakening. We see revivals breaking out amongst the young people. We see it It started there at, um, uh, what's the name of that college in uh, Ashbury? And uh, we see it breaking out all over the nation and really all over the world. And that's a good thing. We want to we be a part of that. Amen. Amen. We want to help to win as many as we can for the kingdom of God. Because that's the, that's the utopia. That's the, that's the utopia that people think, wrong-mindedly, I might add, think that they can create here on earth without God. That's not possible. 
That will never happen without God. Now we pray, Lord, let it be on earth as it is in heaven. The only way that's going to happen is for the church to rise up and let our light shine. Amen. 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 Jesus said, I'm talking about showing people the door, winning people and showing just pointing people to the door like we talked about last week. Jesus is the door. He's the only, only way in and out of the sheepfold and out to green pastures and still waters. Amen. And he said again in Matthew chapter 7, enter by the narrow gate. Well, guess who's the gate? He is. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Now, he doesn't mean that the church is just going to be a few people. <laughs> but when you consider the billions in the world, it is relatively small. There, is, uh, there are more people coming to, to Christ in the Middle East and in Asia than ever before. But they still need a lot of the word, there's nine out of ten of those that have come to the Lord don't have a Bible. You believe that? We usually have three or four of them sitting around. We choose in which translation we want to study this week. Huh? But if you belong to Christ, if you, if God drew you and you responded to the finished work of Jesus Christ and made him your Lord and Savior, good choice. <laughs> good choice but not all are going to choose God that's just a fact God's seen the beginning from the end from the beginning and without God and the only truth which is his truth people will always come to ruin people began to create a God of their imagination I see this even in the midst of church settings where people have been sitting for for many years sometimes. And. Well. You just find that people. Even though they're exposed to the word. They still say well I think. Or I think. I think this about God. Or I think. I think this. Well who cares what we think. When it comes to God. We need to be saying. I believe. Based upon the word of God. That's it. Otherwise, it's just vain philosophy, gossip, or divisiveness, or pride. Try to create a God of your imagination, one that is fine with your lifestyle is what you're saying. When you're walking in opposition to God's truth. Now, God loves you. He is love. But he hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. He opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. That's a very, I mean, it's not ambiguous. It's like 
Stay humble. God's going to pour on the grace. Get into pride. I'm fighting God. Now, if you took just that scripture, <laughs> and then you need a lot of other scriptures to define what pride is to God and, uh, and humility, you see. But, but you know what I'm saying. If you just stood on a few important truths like that, some simple truths, it shouldn't be so difficult. It needs a theologian to unravel it for you. I've seen churches and ministers like that, and God love them, but they, they intentionally try to make it where you can't understand it without their, their help, see. Because they have such wonderful divine revelation and you can never. <laughs> that's, not, that's not God, folks. God is, God is simple regarding man. He's, he's not simple. I mean, he, but he doesn't put all that load on us. We don't have to understand how he holds this world together with his words. I, you know, that's too much for me to bear. And I'm thankful he doesn't put that on me. Just like I told you last week, we, it's not our responsibility, everyone's response to the truth of the word of God about Jesus. Thank God we don't have to carry that burden. And I told you, Jesus' worst day is still yet to come. The day he has to judge the living and the dead. Because it's his will that all should be saved, but they won't. Because some are going to choose their own way. But we don't know which ones will do that. So we're going to do everything we can to try and win as many as we can. Amen. Amen. But we've been called to a life living after the Spirit. Amen. Capital S. That's in agreement with the Holy Spirit. In agreement with the Word of God. Romans 8 talks about it. Talk, talk, starting in the fifth verse, Romans chapter 8 says, Those who live according to the flesh set their minds, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. The mind of the flesh is death. Look at that. But the mind of the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mind of the flesh is hostile to God, you see? It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. What is God's law? If you're thinking of the Big Ten and all the other 600 and something, see, you still need to get into the new covenant. Now we only have one law, love. You see, Jesus said it's harder, though. <laughs> It's a little harder than you think because he says if you're really walking in love, you'll never do any harm to your neighbor. Yes. Ever. Amen. Amen. It says that the, 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 the mind that is, or the flesh, or the mind that is not submitted to God's law, uh, that walks by the flesh, it, it, it doesn't even have the ability to agree with God. Notice in verse 6, we set the mind. That requires an action on our part, doesn't it? The battlefield is between our ears. And it's a choice. It's a choice. You can win or lose that battle. Nobody can fight it for you. 
Jesus gave gifts to the church when he, when he ascended. He gave the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher to equip you and to help you raise you up for the work of the ministry. I can teach you. I can help you. I can work with you. I can minister to you. I can counsel with you. But I can't make the choices for you. You got to get mad at the devil. You got to get sick and tired of being sick and tired and you got to roll up your sleeves and say, I'm going to, I'm going to do it God's way. If it, I can hear my mama saying, if it hair lift the Pope. And in verse 1, it said there's no condemnation for us in Christ. Isn't that wonderful? To be condemned is to be, to be deemed unfit for use, like a building that's been condemned, you see? There's no condemnation. We all come, come to God kind of with our head hung low. and The devil's trying to convince us that's not for you. The grace of God can save everybody but you. You know what you did. You know who you are. <laughs> Shut up. Stop it. In the name of Jesus, Amen. I've decided to follow Jesus. And this gift is free. Now, I've been credited with his righteousness. This word for, for, for now, there is no condemnation, it's nun, N-U-N, which it talks about a present tense experience of the believers, not waiting for us to get to the sweet by and by in heaven. It starts the moment you receive the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But you have to believe it. Do you have the ability to still walk around feeling condemned? Yeah. Because what you set your mind on. My wife's favorite scripture, Philippians 4.8. Brethren, if there's anything good, if there's anything lovely, if there's anything beautiful, praiseworthy, think on these things. In other words... You can't stop thinking all that negative junk by trying to. You have to replace it with something good. Something godly. A promise of God. A blessing of God. Instead of a lie of the devil. Amen. Amen. God loves us. It goes on to say in Romans 8 verse 30. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's strong right there. You just make that your own. Insert yourself into that. The point is that God is for you, not against you. He's good. He's not the destroyer. He's not the one putting sickness on you or strife or testing you by 
making you, putting poverty, all those things are aspects of the curse. Those are all from the enemy. Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. It's, the, it's that lying devil, the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The only thing that keep you can keep you from God is your own free will. That's my point. I'm, I'm getting somewhere with this. I'm having to lay this foundation again because the world and the devil are so busy trying to talk you out of this. Trying to make you feel condemned. I'll never go to Target again. I never, I never liked them anyway. <laughs> my wife and daughter do though, but my wife came to me. She said, "All right, that's it." You know, Satan loves you. Satan respects pronouns. Huh? This whole new. Thing they've got. You know, so bold, but not in a good way. So arrogant and ugly, a worldly kind of boldness. Why does the mind need to be set on the spirit, life? Because the born-again spirit that you can't discern with your natural senses, it has the mind of Christ. The kingdom of God has taken up residence in you. It has the promises of God, the peace and the grace of God. And the flesh, the unrenewed mind, is death. Stinking thinking. Old baggage. And your soul is the chooser. Your personality, your mind, your will and emotions, where you have that free will. And, and it decides, it's the decider of your life. What will, you, what will I magnify? Will I be ticked off? Will I be discouraged and disappointed? Will I accuse? Will I act ugly? Or will I choose God? It's a choice. It's really that simple. And it doesn't matter what's going on around you. Let the storms rage around you. You can let them rage around you. Just don't let them get in you. Jesus walked above the storm. He didn't let it get in him. What will you magnify? What will you think on? What will you meditate on? Because your life's going to go the predominant way of your thinking, isn't it? And then it what it says, Isaiah 26, 3, I will keep him in perfect peace. His mind is stayed on me because he trusts me. Are you trusting God? You want to live in peace? Put your focus, your trust in God. Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So if your life isn't going the way that you wanted it to or hoped it would, just change your thinking. <laughs> You can do it or God wouldn't sell you. In, in, in Philippians 4, 8, whatever is good, lovely, true, praiseworthy, all these things, think on these things. Why? He wouldn't tell you 
to change your thought life if you didn't have, if he didn't give you the power and ability to do it. Otherwise, he'd be unjust. Otherwise, he'd be the one making you feel condemned. You told me to do this, Lord, but I don't have the power to do it. No, there's grace for that. Or he wouldn't have said do it. You got to practice on your first response when something happens.